Hello, everyone. It's nice to see everybody. Glad you're here. The love in your heart uh, wasn't put there to stay. The love isn't love until you give it away. It's true, isn't it? The love in your heart. I mean, if God's put some love in your heart, if it's God's kind of love, and it's really in you, then it wasn't put there to stay. It's not, in fact, real love until you give it away. That's the point of Unleash Love. Welcome to week two of Unleash Love. This is a major two-year, church-wide, huge initiative that we're encouraging everyone to jump in and be a part of as we just do our best to share the love of God that he's put in us here, there, and everywhere and unleash it to full effect. One of our key scriptures that we're kind of using as a launch for this is out of 1 Thessalonians. simply says this, May the Lord pour on the love so that it fills our lives and then splashes over on everyone around us. Isn't that cool to think about just oozing and spilling and splashing? Is anything oozing and spilling and splashing out of you these days? That's what unleashed love is. And it desired us to say, Lord, we want to be able to unleash more prayer, more ministry, more impact, more love, more generosity in whatever ways you would guide us to. It's a huge deal, and it begins right now. If you weren't here last week, welcome. You're here at a perfect time. Hey, and if you weren't here last week, it's really important for you to know um, that uh, you, you really should go back and watch the video. There's a video that kind of captures uh, an introduction to Unleash Love gets us all on the same page. It's on our website at mountaincc.org. We've also created a special website. Uh, let me put the slide up. You can see the, the, the slide is, um, the, the address is unleashlovemcc.org. Okay, so there's a special website over the next several weeks, over the next couple of years actually, unleashlovemcc.org, and you can go check out that special video and share it with friends and others. It's on our Facebook page as well, that kind of thing, because it'll help uh, get us dialed into where we're, where we're headed. There's going to be something here over the next few, several weeks that's so important uh, for each of us and something for all of us. Okay, so each of us personally, individually, but also some stuff for all of us to do together that none of us can do on our own. So for each of us, I just want to encourage you to see this is a time for spiritual growth. This is a time for each of us personally to respond to the call of God to step closer to the Lord Jesus Christ in your own personal relationship with him. This is a time to grow. This is a time to flourish. This is a time to change. It's intensely personal, that kind of thing, isn't it? You know, someone said one time, life gets better when you get better. We can sit around and sort of wait on someone else to change or think that maybe just time passing will make us better. But you know, really, life gets better when you and I make the determination and intentionality that says, you know what, I'm going to grow and change and invest, and we can do that spiritually. And if you want to be the kind of beautiful life, the kind of flourishing, fruitful person who unleashes God kind of love through your life, Jesus reminds us, you can't bear that kind of fruit if you're not attached to him as the vine. So we're just branches here, and he is divine. Get it? Anyway, that's the point. If you want to bear a lot of good fruit, you've got to be connected to Jesus. So there's something for each one of us in that area. There's a gap between where you are now and the version of you that God really is leading you to become. And unleash love is an opportunity for us to step closer to Christ and become more of the person he's calling us to be. There's something for each of us. An encouragement 
for you in that regard is uh, everyone um, get this booklet. I hope you have one by now. We've got one created and made for everybody. We've put this together as a way of helping us grow spiritually together. There's daily devotions in here. And I think if every one of us is reading the same scriptures, praying the same prayers, and um, reflecting on the same God thoughts every day, I think there's power in that. So I encourage you to do the daily devotions. Um, There's also sections in here that will help us do this, uh, some exercises together. Um, So some are doing it in families, some are getting with friends at work. Uh, You might start your own group in your neighborhood or join one of the many, many hundreds of groups at Mountain. About 2,000 of us have already hopped into a group. If you're not one of those, as we've heard already, it's not too late. So there's stuff in here. There's a a DVD or online teaching guide to help us dig a little deeper into some of these questions. And just some great, great material in here. Be here on the weekend. Uh, It's another tool I think I would encourage you in in order for you to grow more deeply. Each experience that we gather at all of our campuses is going to be designed to to try to just uh, have incredible worship, but we're going to hear testimonies. We're going to hear future vision of the church. We're going to have Unleashed Love challenges given to us every week. I really want to encourage you here to to be here every week you can, and if you can't, catch it online. Um, And then uh, just be in prayer about all this stuff. So So there's stuff for each of us, all right? as we um, become the kind of people God is un- wants to unleash. But there's stuff for all of us as well, for all of us together, some things, as we said last week, some heavy logs that none of us can lift on our own. But if we, a whole bunch of us, uh, get on them, we can one, two, three, we can lift and do some amazing things. And God has blessed this church so much. There's so many of us here at all of our three campuses and all uh, nine services every weekend. Um, and we want to be faithful to God to do what he's calling us to do together that none of us can do on our own. And that's part of what Unleashed Love is about. A scripture that kind of encourages us there is, Apostle Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 16 when he says there is a wide open door of great and effective work right there. He's seeing some tremendous opportunities open up. And then he says, but although there is great opposition as well, and whenever you attempt to do something great for God, there's always going to be challenge. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be opposition. It's not going to be easy. And that's certainly going to be the case here. The good news is, I don't think we ever grow in times of ease or comfort. We only and always grow through challenge, struggle, difficulty, things that push us outside of our comfort zone. I think it was Thomas Edison who said, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And I think that's really true. And we've got some tremendous opportunities before us as a church. God has said, you could do this, you guys, but it's, it's going to be a challenge. And so we're going to roll up our sleeves and put on our overalls and say, let's, let's do this. Let's do this because God has opened those doors. So there's something for each of us. And there's something for all of us together. Okay? So let's do this. Let's go. So I played a lot of tennis um, and played a tournament last week and show up and there's a bunch of guys, some of them I know, some of them I don't, you know, we're kind of loosening up, getting ready to get ready to play, you know, these guys are loosening up and getting ready. And this guy, he starts, he, he kind of figures out a little bit who I am. He's, he obviously isn't like a church guy, I guess, but he's heard some things about mountain and it's a, kind of this humorous exchange. He, um, he just kind of looks at me like, uh, so, so what kind of church are you anyway? You ever been asked that question? I love that question. Because he's kind of like trying to figure it out. He doesn't have a category for what he keeps hearing about mountain. 
So he's like, well, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he wants an answer. So I start to answer him. and He didn't let me answer. He's like, because I hear you like you're in the schools and you're putting food in kids' backpacks. Like, that's weird. <laughs> and, then he's, and then he's like, um, and my neighbor said you were down at Gunpowder Park last week. A bunch of you were doing something with their fences. And I, so I start to respond before I can. He cuts me off. And now people are kind of gathering and listening. And uh, he says, and I hear you're behind Tabitha's house. My wife goes down there to Tabitha's house sometimes. And I start to respond to that. And he won't let me. He keeps talking. He says, I hear, I hear you're over at John Carroll School. Like you meet there. But then I drive by on Friday nights and the parking lot's full over at that place in Joppa. I mean, which is it? And then, so I'm like, uh, 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 and then this guy next to me goes, and you guys were the ones that did the thing for the fallen officers, weren't you? Yeah, you're, you're those guys. And we're like, I was like, y- yes, sir. Yeah, yes, I am. And, and, then, and, then, and then, so I think, well, now he's going to pause and give me a, a chance to speak. And, and then he says, and then my kid comes to me last week. My kid, one of my high school kids, he comes and he wants to go on some retreat. And I said, where's it at? And he goes, Mountain Christian Church. And I'm like, sheesh. I'm like, sheesh. And, and, then, and then he says, um, and then I come here to play tennis today, and they say, who are you playing with? And I'm playing with this guy named Ben, and they say, oh, he's one of the pastors at Mountain. I'm like, sheesh. I'm like, what kind of church are you anyway? Just like, I don't know, he's like creeped out or something by it. It's funny because there's a great commercial for Mountain, and all these guys were listening in. I didn't have a chance to say anything. But as, he, as we talked, you know, he, he wanted to know more. I told him about some of the mission trips. He asked about, he's got another young adult, and he says, do you got some stuff for young adults? And my young adult needs to make some friends. I'm like, oh, man, I told him all about the event and some of the things that are happening there with our young adults and kind of who we are more than just what we do and that kind of stuff. But then he said this. At the end of this whole thing, I'm getting ready to play now, he just doesn't know what quite to make of it all. And, and, and he says... He has the same look on his face that my dog Rambo has when you whistle at him, kind of like cocks his head to the side. And he says, after he hears all this stuff, because he says, why? Why? Like, you know, let's play tennis. That's it. Just why. He didn't want an answer. He just said, why? Why indeed? Maybe you've had the same question. You should. I mean, have you, have you looked at this? Have you looked at the kind of stuff God's calling us to do? This is not normal, y'all. So many people are average. So many churches are ho-hum average. But God didn't call you to be average. He called you to unleash love with your whole life. And he's opened some doors for us. Why? Why all the trouble? Why all the expense? Why all the hassle? I mean, because we're bored, don't have anything better to do, so it's like we came up with some stuff? Why? You heard about 300 of our kids and 300 other kids. So 600 middle school and high schoolers are at some retreat this weekend. Why would some adults volunteer their time and take off work to go there and sleep in a cabin with sweaty adolescents? Why? And by the way, some good things are happening at that retreat. I just got this picture sent to me. This is my daughter and another friend baptizing a friend of theirs who plays on the football team at their high school who came to the retreat because he was invited. Someone helped, helped him get there. That's pretty cool. But why? The question is why? So you heard about Trunk or Treat, right? To pick something. So Trunk or Treat. Like last year we had 6,000 people show up on our campus. It's a creepy, scary, and sometimes even dangerous holiday for some people. And so we just say, let's redeem it and do something good. Bless the community. We just invite them on and unleash love. And we expect a whole bunch more this year. There's a lot of work, a lot of candy, a lot of hassle. Why? I mean, we got to 
group that took off work to go down to the Dominican Republic and they're helping in the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew right now. Why? Why? Kids ministry grown by 20% over last year. You can't even step, you're going to step on a kid. It means you've got to have more crafts and more memory work and more songs, more lessons, more teachers and more volunteers and more space and dress it up. We're growing 6% over last year. It means there's more people. It means there's more ministry to the homeless, more grief ministry, more couples counseling, more parking lot stuff, more everything, more ministry, more experiences like this every weekend. Now we're going to launch a new campus. God's opened the door to launch a new campus. Why? Why? I think it's really important that we just get crystal clear on the motive, the reason, the river that carries this whole thing called unleashed love. What is our driving force? Because that's going to be really important because it's going to be a challenge. And if you don't have the right why, you won't hang with. So... We'll go to the Bible for that. And there was a guy in the Bible who understood perfectly about challenges and open doors and the opposition that came with him. And it's the guy who spoke those words, the Apostle Paul. Because he's a guy who unleashed love here, there, and everywhere in his day. And he was always met with so much opposition. I mean, he got the stuffings beat out of him. He was thrown in jail. He was persecuted. He had shipwrecks. He was troubled. He got you know, beat up. He got stoned with rocks. And you get it. You know what I'm saying. He just had opposition everywhere he went. And you might say, why? Why would you do all of that? And he had plans for more, and I love his answer. Skipping in at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, looking at everything that we're doing in ministry, he says, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds... It's for your benefit. If you, people are going to look and they're going to think we're nuts. They're going to think it's over the top. It's too much. It's crazy. It's too much effort. It's too much hassle. It's too much everything. You know, if you think we're crazy, you know what? It's just what we do to bring glory to God. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's to bring glory to God. And if you think it makes a lot of sense, you're right because it's going to change the world. That, that's what he's saying. It's going to benefit a lot of people. Whether you think you're crazy or not, I don't know, but it's going to bring glory to God. And then I love the punchline. Here's where we're hovering today. Verse 14. Why? Paul, why? His answer is our answer. Here's what he says. Verse 14. Either way, Christ's love compels us. Everybody say, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. The word compels is super strong, powerful, and descriptive word that speaks to motivation. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done. And how he has unleashed love. And when you figure that out, when you apprehend that and internalize that, it is the most natural thing in the world to respond by unleashing love and let it flow through you on others. Let it spill all over others. The word compel literally means to thrust forward like push like a riverbed who has banks and the water rushes. It can't not go. It has to go in that channel. It's compelled. Christ's love is like that. It compels us. Let's look more deeply at what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 5. Here's a different translation. Either way, Christ's love urges us on. It compels us. It urges us on. 
When there's someone that I need to forgive, but I still think they're a jerk and can't stand them, I don't have anything within me sometimes to forgive, but I can reach down inside of me and pull out the love of Christ, which is the only thing that will allow me to forgive you right now, because Christ's love urges us on and compels us. When I have an opportunity to make a sacrifice and do something that's hard, I don't want to, it's scary, it pushes out of my comfort zone, but I can reach down and pull out the love of Christ because of what He's sacrificed and done for me, it compels me, it urges me on to do that. When I'm invited to go on a mission trip and it's scary and out of my comfort zone and I don't want to go, but I think maybe I'm supposed to, I don't know how to move forward, but I, I feel the love of Christ compelling me to take a step in that direction. You see the point? Christ's love compels us Let's continue. Since we are convinced that Christ died for all of us, he gave his life. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He's made us new. And he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. We just can't live for ourselves anymore because of the love of Jesus. It can't just be all about me and what I want. God loves you like that. You live for Christ and for others. Verse 16. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We don't assess people and success the way we used to. We care about people and see people the way Jesus does. We even look at Jesus differently than we used to. In fact, that's what he says. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now, now that we've received his love. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. There are so many people in your neighborhood, your friends, your colleagues, your family that don't know that we can be changed, that people can grow, that people can be made new, that all of the scum that lingers and sticks to us doesn't have to stay that way. We can become new. That only happens through the love of Christ. And all of this, verse 18, all of this is a gift. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift from God, the one who brought us back to himself through Christ. We were enemies because of our sin. He brought us back and said, we can be friends anyway. Why? Because of Jesus. And so here's, here's, here's where it gets down to us now. And so God has given us this same job of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And now, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave it to us. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Do you see? God has unleashed love. Now he's like, now you go and keep it unleashed. He sent us on. That kind of love of Christ compels us. He's done so much for us to set us free. And now, go unleash it, he says. Guys, we can't not do this. Christ's love compels us. It won't let us do anything else. It's that powerful. So, um, I have some fairly stupid friends. I mean, not all of my friends are stupid, but I do have some pretty stupid friends. And then there's a certain subset of those friends that are particularly stupid. And they said to me something that was really stupid. And me, also being stupid, 
said, that sounds like a really great idea. And the stupid thing was that they all thought it would be a good idea to go down to West Virginia because they had heard about the Gauley River down there and how it is held back by this huge, gigantic dam. And then a couple times a year, they open the floodgates on that dam and this huge wall of pent-up energy kind of just is unleashed. It's let loose and it you know, foams and, and foments and creates this torrent of treacherous water and it just flows and tears down the riverbanks. And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. You want to go see that? And they're like, no, dummy, we want to get in a rubber boat and ride in it. I'm like, wow, do people do that? And they're like, I think so. Talk about unleashed. Our brains were completely unleashed. So we get in a car. We actually go down there. When you see it, it takes your breath away when they're letting out. It's only a couple days a year they do this. It's after, here's a shot of the Gauley River Dam being unleashed. When that water comes shooting through there, it shoots 70 feet horizontally out. 70 feet. It Talk about force and power. Here's an aerial shot of that same. There are six of those portals, each of them big enough to drive a semi-truck through. And they let that sucker out, and it just it just it's so much water and so much force and so much power. It's what they call class six rapids. So class four is, yeah, probably shouldn't do it. Class five is stay home. Class six is we shouldn't have invented class six. And that's, that's what this is. And so instead of taking a picture and getting in the car like smart people, we actually found some sketchy looking slightly hungover dude who called himself a rafting guide who's handed us a paddle, said, get in, let's go, hang on. And that's what it looks like when you go down that river. I'm telling you, it's a wild, exciting, scary, terrifying, really fun ride. And friends, that is what our lives are meant to look like. That's unleashed. That's not held back, pent up, waiting, wondering what if. It's, it's letting loose and being unleashed. That's what this church is meant to be like. That's what we're meant to flow like. You know, Jesus said, you will receive power from on high. And then the Bible records that the early Christians did, and that same power is still flowing through ordinary people like us. The way Paul says it in, in Ephesians 3, he says that God can do, God is able to do immeasurably more than we would ever ask or imagine. How? According to the power that is at work in us. God's power flows through little old us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, now let's say that, let's say you go stand in that riverbed before they let it loose, okay? And the day before. You're just standing there. It's about up to your knees. You're just standing there in the middle of the river. And then they let that thing loose. How long are you going to be standing there like that? Not very long. You can't stand there. It's going to move you. It's going to carry you. That's what Paul is, exactly the word Paul is saying here. He's saying Christ's love compels us. It's not like we have to sit and decide. Well, here comes a wall of water. I don't know whether I'm going to move or not. You don't have to think about it very long. And Paul is trying to make that point for us. To say that when you are caught up in the mighty, forceful, golly river kind of love of God in your life, it's going to lead you very... The, it, you can't not unleash love, show love, be generous and kind and caring in greater degree than you would ever be standing in our little old lives on Golden Pond. 
Why do you care about people far from God? Why do you keep reaching out to help kids get on the right track with faith in their life? Why do you care about the poor and the homeless and the global stuff? Because Christ's love compels us and it sweeps us. And the love of Christ, I'm telling you, it's a river of amazing grace. And when you realize what he's done for you and how he's loved you and forgiven you and been patient with you and me and, and the joy and the peace that he transplants in our life and gives us comfort in this broken old busted up world that's so filled with garbage and negativity and we get the love of Christ and then eternity besides it makes you want to just say, I can't stay where I am and remain unchanged. I, we will not be stingy with our, our love or our time or our heart, our money, our ministry, our care. We'll say with Paul, I am compelled. The love of Christ moves us. And you know, maybe one of the most important things that needs to happen at the beginning of Unleashed Love before we all get excited about running off and saying, oh, I want to try this ministry or I want to unleash love in my community this way or that way and start trying to get excited about doing this or doing that. Before we do any of that, maybe the most important thing would be that you and I would allow the love of Christ to penetrate our own hearts in a fresh way, maybe even for the first time. It's so important before we start trying to unleash love that we let love come to us before it goes through us. And you know, a lot of us know some of this up here, but I tell you, we have these defenses against allowing the love of God to be actually accepted down here. Some of us just feel like, well, we're not worthy of the love of God like that. So we accept a good measure of it to a little bit, but not like he knows everything about you and still loves you. We don't accept that part. We don't feel like we're worthy because of who we are and what we've done in the past. Some of us feel like it's a trick. Like if you do a bunch of good stuff, then you'll be good enough and then God will actually love you and say, good job, good girl, good boy, and then we get love. Some of us just have kind of calloused hearts about it. We've heard it so many times. Like, you know, when you work in the yard and you get a callous on your skin and it's tough and our hearts can get callous to the love of Christ so it doesn't prick us. We don't feel it anymore. We aren't moved to tears of gratitude over the love of Jesus for us personally like we maybe once were. This, this all happens to me where I feel like I'm not worthy or I do a little more than we'll be back on good terms with God or you just get calloused. You want to know what I do sometimes that helps me? I give it to you as a gift, as a way that it could help you too maybe. Uh, we just need to go back to the cross. Level ground at the foot of the cross so we can all kind of come and just stand there right now. Back I mean, literally, to that hill outside of Jerusalem on a dusty, hot, sunny afternoon when Jesus has just been ridiculed and beaten and bloodied. He now carries a thick, heavy wooden crossbeam with splinters on his back through the streets of Jerusalem to the jeers and taunts of the crowd, stumbling, staggering, arriving finally at that hill outside of town 
where they slam him down and put nails through his feet and his hands and then hoist him up like a scarecrow against the sky. And I don't want to look at him, and you probably don't either. But look upon him anyway. And as you see his limp body dangling there, gaunt and ghastly, your eyes meet his bloody eye sockets, and as he glances, you and Jesus lock eyes for just a second. And in that moment, his rib cage protrudes as he draws in some breath. And he prays what the scriptures say he prayed in that moment. Father, forgive. Father, forgive her. Father, forgive him, for they don't even know what they're doing. That happened. Greater love has no one than this, than that a person would lay down their life for their friends. And that's the love of Jesus for you and for me, which you must allow to penetrate our defenses and our cynicism and our busyness and our religious activity so that it changes us from the inside out because you see the blood that flowed from the cross that day for you has flowed and grown into a mighty torrent of a river of amazing grace and you cannot stand in that river and not have it compel you to unleash love. And so we do. We unleash love. And the beautiful thing about all this is that it isn't just how we're going to bring change to the community and to the world. It's, it's going to change us. See, when the love of God, when that kind of river flows to you and then through you, it has a cleansing effect on the way through. See, it matters who we are and who we're becoming, doesn't it? And the exciting part about this to me is as we reach out to so many people who don't know Jesus, we grow and change in the process. I mean, it matters who we are on the inside, don't you think? So one time when I was dating Carla, um, cute little blonde, uh, brunette, yeah, brunette, I was getting confused. <laughs> anyway, I was back in the day, way back, I still remember this though, I was getting ready for a road trip down to visit her, and um, I had my 32-ounce Conoco cup, yeah, I don't know if you have Conoco around here, but it was a gas station, 32-ounce refillable cup, had it filled with ice and grape juice, my drink of choice, on the con- in, in, in my lap here, had my tunes, had my animal crackers, which is my road trip food, and uh, ready to go on the trip, and I'm coming around the ramp, and there's a big old Minnesota pothole, right as I'm trying to turn with one hand and hold this thing, and, and that pothole and the turn, and it slipped, and this... This 32 ounces of grape juice spilled all over my shirt and down into my nether region and all this stuff was sticky and wet and gross and it, was, it stained my, my pants and my shirt and everybody knew. And a great day was not so great. Friends, we all hit bumps in life. And when we do, something's going to spill out. And everybody will know. So what's inside of us and who we are when no one's looking, that really matters. And if we're going to unleash love on the world, let's make sure it's the love of Jesus, which means it's going to have to change us from the inside out. You say, well, what does that love look like? The Bible actually says, it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily angered, love is not rude. 
Love does not boast. And then you think, what, what if that were supposed to be me? And you, and you could just put your name in there. Carl is kind. Jan is patient. Rick is not easily angered. Mike is not rude. And you see the kind of version of ourselves that Jesus hopes will become so that we are better vessels to unleash his love. Little bit by little bit as we ourselves are changed from the inside out. And friends, when that begins to happen, when the love of Jesus from the cross comes and begins to become more of who we are, we just can't help but be compelled and want to unleash love on others. It's a beautiful flow, but let's get first things first. It starts with the love of God unleashed on us. Then, man, it changes us, and I want to unleash it on others. That happened to a friend of mine. It happens at Mountain all the time. It happens to a friend of mine named Terry Pugsley. Kevin Pugsley, excuse me. Terry's his wife. And he was kind enough to sit down in front of a camera and tell us about what's happened in his life. And I hope you'll just uh, think about your own life and unleash love of God toward you as you listen to Kevin's story. Go ahead and watch the screen. So I wasn't raised uh, in a Christian home, a uh, fairly uh, uh, normal household. Although my dad uh, was quite a drinker. So, and we just, we just a lot of drinking in our family, a lot of... Uh, um, kind of dysfunction from that and uh, it, it kind of resulted in uh, uh, a starting to be kind of isolated in my myself and, and got involved in, in uh, looking at porn early in, a, in early age and I've been married three times or, uh, and both my first two marriages were ended uh, uh, with with that kind of a secret of, of just a, an obsession with porn and, and uh, uh, that problem continued on into my current marriage with, with Terry and uh, it just really had blossomed into something that was just completely out of control and, and uh, we just had a moment of, of clarity. I had an opportunity to be introduced to Mountain the first time with our, our grandkid, our first grandchild who was uh, brought here as a child dedication and, and uh, so that was the first time I actually had walked on this campus. Uh, my wife and I were, were out and, and she had found out about uh, some of my, my problems and, and was really uh, struggling with trying to uh, trying to deal with that and uh, we just uh, I just got a clear a clear message as I was standing there filling, filling the car with gas that we needed to go to church. It was a Saturday afternoon um, so I asked my wife you know does the mountain have Saturday services? And she said, yeah. And so I think I'm supposed to go to church. God's love was here waiting for me. This church's love was here waiting for me. That message that afternoon was just a custom made for what I was going through and, and what I needed to hear. I needed to hear that God loved me no matter what, how broken I was, what a horrible person I thought I was. God didn't think I was horrible. He loved me. He just wanted me to, to accept his love. The thing that really strikes me, I'm just a different person. I was so isolated, so, um, yeah, I wouldn't certainly be sitting here talking to you four years ago. Uh, it just, my, my understanding of what God's love has done for me has just caused me to want to, to, to be a part of things that are going on here at this church. And the first thing I did was I got involved with service because it just seemed like time to me was so precious because I needed it to do all those you know, stuff I was doing in, in the dark, and now I had time to give to, to things that really mattered. I 
got outside my comfort zone and actually joined a men's group and, and have been with a group of men for a number of years. And uh, those men actually showed me love in a much more intimate way and, and uh, gave me the comfort to start opening up. And it's just been, and that was, to me, one of the most amazing things. You know, if you would have known me five years ago, you would have never seen me sitting at a table with a group of guys talking about anything more than, you know, what the sports scores were. Giving is a, is a sacrifice of, of letting go of something that you think is yours, but really it's just God's. You know, God has entrusted you with, um, with resources, time, and money, and it's just so freeing to let loose some of that and just to give it away. Um, it just naturally comes as a desire of worship to give. And we, and we do that cheerfully uh, every week to see the smiles of people's face when you, when you, when you walk into this church and know that, that you're a part of that by, by not only being here but also investing in it financially. And, and it's such a blessing, this, this, this church, God's love. So what excites me about Unleashed Love is just the thought, and we talked about this in our couples group, what if everybody all Christians were to unleash love. But what if this whole mountain community, what if we all just linked arms and just unleashed love on this community, both here or there, or wherever we go? If we can get everybody on board, 5,000 arms linked in together, wow, what, what could, could stop us? Nothing, I don't think. Aren't you grateful for the, the tender, patient, gracious, rescuing, reaching love of Jesus that was there pursuing Kevin? Draws one of his kids home. Now he's on his feet and he's serving the Lord and he's growing. He's unleashing love on others. And that, that my friends, is why God has put Mountain here. And he's saying there's more doors we want you to go through now to do that again and again. And so I want to close by just inviting us, as we did last week, inviting us all in the coming days to pray, 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 to unleash God's power in the world, in our church, in our community. We want what God wants. That's what we pray for. And pray sheepdog prayers. Remember sheepdog prayers, right? Sheepdog runs around, acts all crazy, but then it always returns to its master's feet, looks up and says, what would you have me do? So pray that sheepdog prayer. What would you have me do? As it relates to unleash love, our goal is that 100% of people who call this church home would dive in with a sheepdog prayer and listen for how God would lead you to engage. Pray about commissioning weekend, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to invite everybody to say, how is God speaking to you about the, next, the ministry your life is supposed to take in the next season of your life? What mission field is he calling you to? What, how should you serve? What does it mean for you to unleash love right now in your life? Every one of us is called to do something, and pray about that. Be ready for that. Pray about Commitment Weekend, which is coming as well. What financial demonstration, with whatever lot or little you have, are you called to make a sort of statement about the compelling love of Christ in your life. Pray about your family and your steps with Christ. Pray about the witness of this church. Pray about this booklet. Pray, pray, pray. Sheepdog prayers. And let me pray for you 
right now, and then we'll see you next week for the next, uh, the next bump forward and unleash love. Let me pray for you. God, we want to ask you to help us be your people who are faithful right here and right now. Help us to grow, not someday, but now, here. And help us to unleash love right here and right now in the here and now. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.